Welcome to the Legacy Nashville Podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Short scripture, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, and it's about your identity. It's about who you are. I'm not talking about your assignment. I'm not talking about your function. I'm not talking about what you do. I'm talking about who you are. And who you are is a worshiper. You were not just created to worship. You were created worshiping. Created worshiping. You are a worshiper. It's embedded in the DNA. It's a part of who you are. It's not just your function, but it is a part of your DNA. Uh, Our third child, Rua Grace, was born in 2020. And it was so prophetic that we named her Rua. We didn't even realize it at the time. It's the breath of God when everyone was... You know, the breath and COVID and the pandemic, and we didn't realize it at the time, but we're like, this is a prophetic name for a promised baby. And it was, Allison had a lot of complications and was on modified bed rest for six months, and Rua came very early, and when the C-section happened, um, I couldn't help. I looked over the curtain. Don't do that. But when Rua came out, I have a picture of it. I'm I'm not lying to you. When Rua came out, she had one hand in the air. I'm like, she's worshiping. Just crying, right? We are worshipers. And that's what uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says. Says this, but you are a chosen people. Say it over yourself. Say, I'm chosen. How's that feel? Man, how's it feel to know you were picked? You're chosen. I am chosen. A royal priesthood. Say, I'm royalty. Say, I'm a priest. A holy nation. Say, I'm holy. God's special possession. Say, I'm special. Say, I belong to him. Are y'all feeling affirmed yet? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Everybody say, I'm called. So I want to talk to you for a moment about God's love language. All right? God's love language. All right, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for everlasting truth that so faithfully transforms us more and more into your image. Lord, we love your word. We love your word, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. 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 So we're going to talk a little bit about God's love language for about 22 minutes, all right? Uh, God's love language. As I read in 1 Peter chapter 2 there, uh, we are reminded by the word of God that we are a chosen people, We are a priestly people, and that means that we are a presence people. We are a worshiping people. This is who we are. It's part of our identity. We declare God's praises. That's who we are, and that's what we do as born-again believers. As a Christian, it means to worship regularly, right? That's just part of our identity. It is what we do. We worship regularly. 
regularly. We do it at home. We do it on the commute. We do it at church on Sundays. We do it in our quiet time. To a certain extent, we do it with how we interact with the world around us. All of these things are ongoing expressions of worship. And despite the fact that worship can become pretty routine for a Christian, like, oh, this is kind of just what I do. I come to church as a good moral person, and I sort of, you know, I, I check the box, and I, you know, say, oh, I've done my thing, and I've, you know, worshiped this Sunday. It can become a little bit routine. Despite the temptation for worship to become routine, worship is anything but routine because worship is eternal. You're going to be worshiping forever. So, like, if you don't like worship now, you're not going to like heaven. Because it's going to be an ongoing 24-7, 365, eternal worship service. This is, how, this is what I've been praying recently. I've been asking the Lord to help me engage in eternal practices now so that I can get a head start. I'm like, God, whatever I'm going to be doing forever, I want to be doing right now in the present. So I want you to set my mind on things above. Help me, Holy Spirit, because I want to be doing now what I'm going to be doing forever. I want to go ahead and get good at it now. If you're going to have us worshiping in heaven forever, God, I want to worship you the way you want to be worshiped forever in the present. Right? Your kingdom come, your will be done. We want to bring the atmosphere of the throne room to the sanctuary on Sundays, and we want to begin to engage now what we're going to be doing for the rest of forever. It's not a routine thing. It's not just something that we do on Sunday, but it's actually a really, really big deal. Worship is very important to God. And here's a few, here's a short list of why, God, why it's important uh, to God. But number one, worship is really important in Scripture. There's no way you can read the Bible and not come away with the responsibility of a disciple of Christ not to worship God. Right? I love the word responsibility. It's two words. Response, ability. What is your ability to respond to God in his presence through praise and prayer? Right? It's a manifestation of our maturity. Like I have response, ability. Right? I have an ability to respond. I'm discerning. This is what God desires. Therefore, I give it to him. Worship is important all throughout the scripture. In Revelation chapter 14, verse 7, it says, Fear God and give him glory. I want you guys to know this is a commandment to all of creation, not just Christians. Fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of the water. This is for everybody. To worship God and to ascribe to him glory is the supreme duty of all creation. Right? If, you, if we don't do it, what do he say? The rocks are going to cry out. All of creation is groaning, right? There, all of creation is commanded to bring glory to God. We've been commanded by the Bible, by Scripture, to do this. It's a universal command. And this is where in Matthew 4, when Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he said, You shall worship the Lord your God and worship him only. This is what we're called to do, and this is who we are. Worship is, an imp is important in Scripture, and worship is also important to the church. You know, the top priority of the church is to exalt its head. That's our first priority. We want you to be comfortable here. I know you can't tell that by our lack of air conditioning. But 
but we want you to be comfortable here and we want to acknowledge, you know, certain preferences and we want you to have a good time when you're here. But our top priority as a church is not your comfort. I'm going to try this side because there's some of the LSM alumni over here, so I know they'll say amen. amen. But like our top priority as a church is not the comfort of our membership. I want you to be I want you. Seth is sweating. He's like, man, I wish you had a bigger priority of we're working on it. We're working on it. But our top priority is to give glory to the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. Whenever the scribe came to Jesus, he said, what's the greatest commandment? What did he say? You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all. I love that he continues to say all, 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 because he emphasizes all, 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 all of your heart. What's your heart, your desire? Your soul, your seat of emotion, your mind, your intellect, and your strength, which is one of the reasons why we get demonstrative in worship from time to time, is because we want to give God glory with our physical strength. You know, do something. If all you got's a little toe tap, just give him a little toe. Yeah, I like that. Okay. I'm going to give you some strength, Lord, because I'm going to worship you with all of my humanity. This is the first priority of the church. A.W. Tozer in his book, Worship, the Missing Jewel of the Evangelical Church, said this, the purpose of God in sending his son to die and rise again and to sit at his right hand was that he might restore us to the, restore to us the missing jewel, the jewel of worship, that we might come back and learn to do again that which we were created to do in the first place, worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness, that we should spend our time in awesome wonder and adoration of God, feeling and expressing it. We are here to be worshipers first and workers only second. Before we ever go to work, we start with worship. Right? You remember whenever Mary and Martha, uh, you know, Martha was rebuking Jesus after welcoming him into her home that uh, Mary was not helping her. And what did Jesus tell her? Martha, Martha, you are worried about many things, you know, but Mary has chosen the better thing, which is the one thing that will not be taken away from her. Because Jesus in that moment considered serving him a distraction from worshiping him. How many, how many times you meet people in local church, you know, like super Christians, and they will never be a part of the worship service because they're always serving, right? And I get that. We want you to serve. We need you to serve. But listen, your first responsibility is not to serve. We want you to serve. You should serve. Serving is a byproduct, a manifestation of you being in love with God. You're in love with your neighbor. But it does not start with serving. It starts with beholding. In fact, beholding is what sets us up to be good at serving. Because when we serve out of our own strength, we really only minister to one dimension of the human, which is the flesh. And Christian ministry's got to go beyond the skin. It's got to go to the soul, to the spirit. I remember as a missionary, we were talking about this. It's like as a missionary, people are like, I want to come and help you rescue kids from human trafficking. And I'm like, do you want to preach the gospel? No. Well, we're not the organization for you because we're Christian missionaries, not UNICEF. This is not humanitarian aid. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you can't call aid Christian mission because you only minister to one dimension of the person. Have I offended somebody? Uh, Y'all got quiet on me real quick. 
You got to go deep. You got to go to the spirit. You got to say, look, Jesus is your savior. If you'll repent of your sin and turn to him, there's only one way to God and it is through Christ Jesus. That's it. You with me? So what sets us up to do that and do it with grace is beholding and spending time in the secret place. Because if we'll spend time with him and worship in the secret place, then we'll never suffer lack in the public space when it's time for us to step out in service and proclaim the word of the Lord. We won't deal with timidity because we are filled with fearlessness as a result of seeing the one that cast out all fear. This is who we're called to be, worshipers first. You know, our first dad, Adam, he fell because he failed to worship God. But if you look at Revelation, you'll see that all of history culminates in this beautiful worship service in the presence of God. That's where we're all headed. If you don't like worship now, you're not going to like heaven. We're going to be doing a lot of worship. You know, I know sometimes, not here, because we're mostly a charismatic church, but people will like skip worship for the word. Not really here, because we're kind of worship junkies. But don't skip worship for the word. And get this, don't skip the word for worship. Now, that's probably where we're hitting some people, charismatic folks, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, you see how everybody's like, yeah, 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 yeah. You're getting in my business a little bit. Don't do that. Right? When you go to worship, you have the opportunity to give something to God. When you sit through the word, God takes the opportunity to give something to you. You need the word, spirit and in truth. But that's a different sermon. I ain't got time to go through that. Thirdly, worship is really important to Jesus. Really important to Jesus. In Matthew 22, we, we hit this already, but you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and the first protos in, in the Greek, which means the supreme first thing. This is our first responsibility, the first element of our identity as a born-again believer. And what Jesus is doing here is he's summing up the entire law or the Torah in one statement, and he's telling us worshiping God was the greatest commandment of the old covenant, and worshiping God remains the greatest commandment in the New Testament, the new covenant. This is who we are and what we're called to do. Worshiping God is Jesus' top priority for every believer in every nation, in every moment in history, in every culture. It doesn't matter where, you from, where you're from, how you came up. If you are a Christian, your top priority in this life and in eternity is to worship God. So worship is important. Tell your neighbor, say, worship is important. Did I lose y'all? Tell him, Peter. Peter, you tell him. Yep, all right, okay. So what is worship? Maybe a better question is, what is worship not? Right? What is worship? I got a list. So here's what worship is. Uh, worship is giving to God. Worship is proclaiming who God is. You know, praise is thanking God for what he's done. Worshiping is proclaiming who God is. It's when all the personal pronouns go out the window in the prayer closet. Right? You notice how, like, when we first start to praise we enter into the temple, courts, praise, thanksgiving. You guys know the passage. And we say things like this. I just praise you. I want to thank you. I really like you. We are super, right? But when you get into a place of worship, all the personal pronouns got to go. You, don't, you, don't, you, you can't even look at yourself anymore. You're, you, you've been eclipsed by the glory of God. And you're no longer saying, I just, I just, I just. we say that a lot. When, uh, we just... Y'all haven't noticed that? 
Okay, anyways. So, like, it goes from I to we to you. You are glorious. You are beautiful. You are, I double dog dare you in the place of prayer this week to just cancel all your personal pronouns and say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to talk about him. Rather than spend the bulk of my time in prayer talking about me and what I need, I'm going to spend a majority of the time talking about him and who he is and then watch as his greatness causes my needs to diminish. And some of the things that I thought I needed, I realize I don't because I got him. When we worship God for who he is and don't just talk about who we are or what we need or what we're missing, then it gives us the opportunity to have our motives purified and then it gives our request more accuracy, right? Because James talks about the reason why you don't get what you pray for is because you ask amiss because you have the wrong motives. But as we behold God, the Holy Spirit purifies our motives, therefore we ask more accurately. Are you with me? So worship is also an attitude of the heart. Whenever I sing, it's not good. You ain't never heard me sing, obviously. It's trash. And I know it. I don't have a good melody or a good, it's bad. Yeah, it ain't no good. I don't have good key tones. See, I don't even know how to talk about it. I don't have a good, yeah, because I'm a rapper. Y'all don't know. I just released that hot fire. That's what I do in the present, so mind your business. <laughs> What's funny is I'm totally not joking. I'll be in the car, and I'm like, I praise you, Lord. I'm going to start freestyling. That's right. I praise you, Lord. You know, that's me, okay? All right, just deal with it. Spotify me, bro. I got, I got a rap song on Spotify. Aaron Cole. That's it. But whenever you worship, God is not inspecting the quality of your tone. What he's looking at is the content of your heart. So even if you don't sing on key, you can still be a great worshiper. Even if you don't carry a great harmony, you can still lift up a great praise. Right? And I know we're in Nashville. So people think, oh, I'm disqualified from being a worshiper because I don't sing very well and my voice isn't great. That does not matter when it comes to worship. That may matter when it comes to radio, but it don't matter when it comes to worship. Because what the Holy Spirit is looking at is the content of your heart. And he's saying, man, like other people may listen and hear that noise. I don't know that it's a melody. It's a noise. But here's the thing. God said that he loves a joyful noise. He didn't even say a joyful word. Sometimes when you're worshiping, you don't have words. All you have is a noise. Every now and then you say, I can't even articulate what it is I think you might want, but I do got this. Uh, right? Your heart is the true genesis of real worship. What's happening in here? Uh, it might sound like brokenness to you, but to God, 
It's an abundant praise. It's a, it's a beautiful song. He said, I love that. I love when they give me their hearts. All right? I, I tell people all the time, I am, a, I, I am not a good singer, but I am, by the grace of God, a good worship leader. Because I'm going to lead people into worship. And that's me. That's me. It's like uh, by watching Heidi Baker, I just kind of adopted this catchphrase, which was like, be the most surrendered person in the room. Just be surrendered. Just say, I don't care. I don't care if somebody turns me into a meme. I don't care if somebody puts me on their Instagram story. I don't care if people mock me, make fun of me, scoff at me because I'm worshiping. They don't know what I've been through. They don't know who God is to me. They don't know how I see him. I'm going to give them praise that he is due and worthy of. So worship is an attitude of the heart. It's love expressed. It's a feeling and an activity. It's a feeling and an activity. Worship is not an activity that's void of feeling. What if all I did on my date nights with my wife was look at it as an activity and not an emotion? I just, can't, I just brought my checklist. How you doing? Got it. Didn't even give her an opportunity to answer. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, good. Uh, how, how, how's panting? Okay, great. Uh, yeah, okay, good. No. I've got emotion in it. Listen, and God welcomes your emotion. In fact, he wants your emotion. It's okay to be emotional with God. God doesn't eject from you when you get emotional with him. You know how sometimes with people, you got to placate. You got to pretend like I'm not really that emotionally invested in this scenario in my life because I don't want to send them running if I'm actually my true self. That is the moment in which God invites you to be really, really, really raw and vulnerable and open and confident that he's ready to listen and receive what you got because get this, he already knows anyway. I don't want to be vulnerable with God. Well, God already knows what you're thinking. You know, like not being honest with God is like playing hide and go seek with a three-year-old, which I do from time to time. Rua, my daughter, right? She'll be behind the, the uh, curtain, standing off the wall, three foot. Just drapes. Rua, where are you at? And I see her right there, right? And she's just giggling. That's what it's like coming into a place of prayer and hiding the true content of your heart before the Lord. He sees you anyway. <laughs> the Father's looking right at you. Just say, take the curtain off. Here I am. Right? So God, just like my wife, just like me, just like you, has a love language. You know, I remember like when my wife and I were dating, I found this ring, not an engagement ring. It was like a pre-engagement engagement ring, right? So it was like something I found, and I thought it was really cool. And, um, you know, I was always into fashion, so I was just trying to, like, vibe my wife out, you know, but not recognizing that she and I have completely different stylistic preferences. And I found this ring, and I'm like, this ring is dope. She's going to look so good in this ring. People are going to see that ring and be like, who do you date? <laughs> you know, I was just like... This is awesome. This is amazing. You know how you buy other people gifts because it says something about you rather than you actually doing something nice for them? <laughs> I'm going to put you in what I want you to wear because I want to look at you and like what you're wearing despite the fact that you may want to wear something completely different, that you may feel completely different about your wardrobe. I want to dress you up like this because really the gift I'm about to give you is more about me than it is about you. And I'm pretending that it's about you because I'm giving it to you in a little box wrapped up with a bow. But really, I just want to see you wear it. <laughs> 
So I, I'll, never, I'll never forget. I sent her a text message, a screenshot. I'm like, hey, look at this ring. It's amazing. And that's how I am because I try to talk everybody into everything. If you go out to eat with me and you're like, I don't like sushi, bro. I'm like, you love it. You just, you never tried this sushi. You just need a little hamachi. Little yellowtail, right? So I got a little Japanese. It's from going to Virago. Um, y'all don't know what Virago is? Makisaki Mondays? Get with the program. But that's how I am. So I sent this little photo, and I'm like, you would look so good in this ring. And she wrote back, she wrote back one word, yeah. And I'm like, she don't like it. She did not like the ring I picked out for her, and I know it. So I was like, you don't like it, do you? Because we were just getting to know each other, and she was like, absolutely not. <laughs> so I realized, like, okay, I've got to shop for her what she wants to wear, not what I want to see her wear. Because she has a love language, and that's not based upon my preferences, but that's based upon hers. And if I don't love her in the way that she likes to be loved, I can work and serve and do all these amazing things and spend all this money and take all this time, and yet she will never receive the love because I'm not giving her the love that she desires. I'm giving her the love that I prefer to give or that I feel comfortable giving or that I have time to give. So it's not actually love that satisfies her. It's love that satisfies me. And then you've got to ask the question, is it really love at all if I'm only doing it for me and there's no sacrifice involved for you? Now, here's what I want to tell you. God has a love language. God has a way he likes to be loved. And his preferences supersede our personalities. So when you talk about worship, some people are like, well, that's not my personality. I don't, I don't worship. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, wait just a second. God has a love language, and I understand that you may have a personality, but God has preferences on how he wants to be loved, and he tells you what he desires, and so you have a choice. You can either love him in the way that he wants to be loved, or, that you, or you can love him in whatever way fits your personality, but if you're doing that, I want to challenge you this morning and ask you, does your personality and your preferences align with what God's desires are and what Scripture says? Because if not, it's time for an upgrade. It's time for an upgrade. So, you know, I didn't buy my wife that ring. I bought her something else because I knew that would bless her heart if I, if I brought that to her. Have you ever started worship or prayer by asking the Lord, God, what song do you want to hear today? I got a set list. I prepared. But what do you want to hear? Yeah. I, got, I got things to pray about, but is there anything you want to hear me say? I, I heard about this jazz musician, and I can't remember his name. Carl, you may know who it is. But he used to perform, just go all out. And at the end of the set, he was very well known, he had big shows, and I can't remember who it is. And he would, he would, like, come off the keys, and he would say, did anybody come here tonight and you didn't hear the song that you wanted to hear. Yeah. And some, somebody from the crowd would shout out the song. He'd be like, crank it up. Yeah. We're going to do that song. Yeah. That's how I want to be in prayer. I, I, I just, like, that's how I want to be in worship. Like, Lord, I, I did all my thing. 
Is there anything that you wanted to hear I didn't say? Is there a song? You know I don't sing very well, Lord, but is there a song that you wanted to hear that I didn't sing? Is there something that you were waiting on me to pray and I just never got to it and I forgot? Is there something? Will you remind me of Because I, I want you, you remember prayer is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. Right? It's not just me by myself in isolation in an echo chamber just shouting into the darkness what I think that, you know, I want to say to God. No, it's me sitting down at the table and dining with a real person whose name is Jesus and I can listen as he speaks. And he is actively speaking if I'll hear him and I can say, did I give you what you wanted? Did I love you in the way you want to be loved? Here's three things that God wants. Number one, God wants your hands. God wants your hands. Everybody say my hands. God wants your hands. I'm going to prove it to you. Here's a scripture real quick. God wants your hands. I didn't get to the stuff that worship is not, but maybe I'll get to it in the 12 noon after I take a shower. Yeah. <laughs> I, we don't have a shower, but uh, I'm going to get baptized. Um, God wants your hands. Psalm 141, may my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands like the evening sacrifice. Right? In 1 Timothy, it says, I desire that in every place that men should pray, lifting holy hands. God wants your hands. This is the way he likes to be worshipped. So when we're in worship, we're lifting our hands, not just because it's fashionable or because it's cultural, and this is what church people do in the 21st century. No, no, no. We do this because it's biblical. I don't care who says it's weird. It's biblical. We lift our holy hands because God says, this is the way that I like to be loved. I want you to lift your hands to me. So we lift our hands. We say, if this is what you want, God, I didn't even have to make sense to me. It didn't make sense to me that my wife didn't want that ring. I just knew she didn't like that ring. So it's like, what do you want? You want my hands? Okay, here's my hands. And you might be thinking, that's not my personality. I don't want to lift my hands. So? How often do you serve your spouse? And you're like, it's not my personality to take out the trash. So? You're taking the trash out. It's not my personality to change poopy diapers. (laughs) So you think I need to consult with your personality before you get in here and change this diaper? That's not my wife. I just made that up. I just made that up in my head. But God said he wants your hands. Here's the second thing God wants. God said he wants your heart. He wants your heart. You know, you can lift your hands and withhold your heart. You can come into church and be like, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, praise God. But the whole time, you never lean in. And when God says he wants your heart, here's what he wants, your weight. He wants your weight. He wants you to weigh in. He wants you to step in. And that's what Psalm chapter 57 says, awake my glory. That word there, glory, means weight. You ever hear somebody say, they're throwing their weight around, right? It's like either leaning in or leaning out. Like lean in, awake my weight, awake my heart. I'm going to give you my hands, Lord, but I'm not just going to give you my hands like as an outward expression of worship. I'm actually going to lean in on the inside and I'm going to awake my glory and I'm going to ascribe it to the Lord. Awake, O harp and lyre, I will awake thee Dawn, the third thing that God's, God wants, last thing for today, is God wants your voice. He wants your voice. Listen, I, I talked about a joyful noise earlier. A joyful noise does not need to be auto-tuned. Just, just let it be a noise. Just let it be pure. Just let it be honest. Let it be real. Psalm 150 says, praise him with the tambourine and the dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud, clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Not everything that has skill. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Worship is giving your borrowed breath back to its owner. And that's why we 
We sing. You know, the Holy Spirit's a singing spirit. That's one of the things I love to say about the Holy Spirit. I can sing myself into his presence, despite the fact that I sing so bad. (laughs) I can sing my way into his presence. And this is part of who we are. We're called, we're priests, we're holy. This is what we do. Hebrews chapter 11 says, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. You may think I'm drawing near to God with my hands, my heart, my voice, but the truth is God is drawing near to you. He is coming after you and this is what he is looking for from his people. And this is the start, hands, heart, voice. So as you're worshiping, and we're going to close now, but as you're worshiping, when you come back next Sunday or wherever you go to church, wherever you, wherever you are next week, I want to encourage you. You may feel embarrassed at first to lift your hands, but here's what I can also promise you. Nobody's watching. I remember the first time I lifted my hands in church, I was so afraid somebody's looking at me. I'm like looking around. You know, just testing the waters. I'd start with this and then you know, I'd get a coffee and you know, we're so, we like, we do these little increments. We have like, the, and then eventually it gets to this. Full surrender, right? Send it, right? And I remember the first time I ever raised my hands in church, Holy Spirit whispered to me, how's it feel to know you're going to heaven? Oh, it's amazing. And from that place of gratitude, you just, you sing. And even if it doesn't sound good to you or to your neighbor, it doesn't matter. If it's from your heart, it sounds beautiful to God. And I I do this often. Just I come into the place of of prayer when I'm by myself, and I feel like my words just won't do it justice. And sometimes I'm just, hallelujah, hallelujah. And there's something that shifts the atmosphere. You're worthy, Lord. I love you. Hallelujah. Holy is your name, God. And as the Holy Spirit just begins to give you the words that he wants to hear himself, you can just begin to sing them out loud. And before you know it, unity in the Spirit is present in that place, and you are in the place of the Spirit, and you forget that you're even worshiping. You don't really start worshiping until you forget you are. (laughs) You just forgot that you're even there, but this is the place of his presence and you don't care. He wants your hands, he wants your heart, he wants your voice. Let's stand up. We're going to pray. Lord, I say thank you so much for making us worshipers today. Thank you so much for giving us the identity as priests. We forsake our right to be professionals. We're okay with being amateurs. We're okay with being amateurs. You know, even even if you grew up singing and playing and you're really good at music. It's not just about being good at music. But it's about worshiping the Lord from here. So give yourself permission, like just be an amateur again, Nashville. Just be an amateur again, Nashville. Just Just reduce it back to just your brokenness. I don't know what I'm doing. I know a few keys on the keyboard, but Lord, how do you want to be worshipped? You know, take, just like I take my wife on a date and go in the prayer closet. How do you want to be worshipped by me, Lord? 
Because, you know, what, the expectations that my wife has of me is different than everybody else. And I, I believe that the type of love and worship that God wants to receive from you is unique to you. What does he want? Yeah, he lays out some stuff in the word. But what's he asking for from me? Give him my hands. Give him my heart. Give him my voice. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. 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 Thank you for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.